So this morning, um, because we get a little bit of a reprieve from Pastor Mike, um, I make fun of him when he's here too, so it, it's all good. Um, we're going to have Colleen uh, come up and speak to us this morning, so let's welcome Colleen to come up. sing that song without being broken lately and I I need to get in a good space in order to be able to speak so I'm going to just tell you a little bit of a conversation I had with Eldon yesterday through text message so Eldon normally contacts me usually Friday evening when he's away for the men's retreat and he didn't do that Friday night and I found that a little strange he sent me a text yesterday about two o'clock three thirty in the afternoon and um he says, hi, how are you doing? And I said, I was beginning to think that you'd forgotten about me. And this is his text back. I was just so busy going from one thong to another. <laughs> Pretty sure he meant thing. That part needs to be edited out of anything we're recording this morning. I just didn't know what the men did at their retreats, but if you have any questions. I'm deciding whether I need to wear glasses or not this morning, but I think I do. The title of this morning's message is called Broken Worship. And that's part of the reason I started off with that story, because it's going to feel a little heavy, I think, simply because of the place that I'm in. But right off the bat, I just want to encourage you that um, really this message is about intimacy and about union. So the question is, what does God do with our broken hallelujahs and our broken worship? This message uh, came together in the midst of brokenness and loss the loss of an incredible friend, the loss of employment and dreams for the future, and the loss of confidence. Believe me when I say that when Mike asked if I would speak this morning, it was with great uncertainty, with a shaken faith, and a very humbled heart. And the question that's been running through my mind is, who the heck am I take it up here and share with you this morning? Because I'm feeling like a very broken woman. But I've agreed and I've waited for what I trust the Father has placed within me to share with you. And it's my desire that in some small, small way, you'll be ministered to. And so we begin. Join with me as we simply ask that our hearts would be tender and teachable, yielded and reachable. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and ask that we would experience you in a very profound way this morning. We know that you're with us, so we're not going to even bother inviting you here because you already dwell within the heart and life of every person in this place. I'm simply asking that um, you would make that truth a very, very personal reality and an experience of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Have you ever found yourself in a place where everything, just absolutely everything, seems to be broken or just simply running out? Like your patience. Apparently for Pastor Mike, that seems to happen every time he enters, enters a roundabout. Um, maybe it's your strength or your courage. Maybe it's your resources. They're just always NSF, not sufficient funds. You just simply never seem to have enough. Perhaps it's a relationship that seems broken. Maybe it's your children that are broken. Maybe it's your time. Perhaps it's your healing or your health that are being broken. Maybe it's your hope. Maybe it's your faith or even your prayers. When you're left feeling so depleted and your prayers are left feeling deflated and they feel like they hit the ceiling and they just return to you as hollow, empty words. I think it's safe to say that probably without exception, every single one of us here this morning can identify with some form of brokenness. For us, for Eldon and I this summer, it just seemed like brokenness and tragedy had free reign. There was too much tragedy, too much loss in the lives of those we love. A helicopter goes down and two lives are lost. A friend loses his battle with cancer and another family is left without a husband and a father. And as Eldon and I grieve with those who are grieving, Eldon and I are facing a loss of a totally different kind. And in light of those losses, I completely know that mine feels very insignificant. But Eldon has quit his job. <laughs> and um, we had hoped that that job was going to be the last job that he had before he retired. We had great expectations for that job. But quite simply, it was not what we had, ex had expected. And frankly, it was demanding a lot more than it was delivering. And so after 18 months of waiting and just hoping for something to turn around, for something to change, he finally gave his notice with nothing else to go to. The frustrations and the disappointments, the questions and the second guessing, the accumulating lack were wearing on both of us, stealing our joy, bruising our hope, and battering our faith. I think things just kind of caught up with me a couple weeks ago, where I just felt like I couldn't stand under the weight of it any longer. In fact, I stood here just a few weeks ago, and as the worship team just sang the song that we finished with, Lord, I need you, I found myself barely able to breathe. Those words just caught in my throat and seemed to crush my heart. And as I entered into a place of broken, messy worship, these words released a well of tears from deep within. And in that moment of complete surrender, I found some profound answers to what God does with our broken worship and our broken alleluias. Or perhaps I was just gently reminded once again of what I know to be true of our God, that he's perfect love. And in that place of broken worship, God used a little Melville boy, Zachary, to be Jesus with skin on to me. Zach had already come forward and sat beside me in the, in the row, and um, as my tears just began to flow, 
I think Eldon might have been oblivious because he may have just been caught up in worship himself. I'm going to give him that one, that he just was worshiping. But there's little Zach, and he just slipped sideways and wrapped his arm around me, put his head into my ribs, and just stood there while I wept. And I had this little ministering angel that saw me through my brokenness, and I was simply undone by the love of the Father expressed through a little boy. Before we go any further, I want to assure you that if you find yourself in one of these broken places of running out and think you're alone, please be assured and take comfort that you're not. Over and over again in Scripture, we are given examples of others who have found themselves in exactly the same place, of things running out and desperation setting in. King David comes to mind, as does Jeremiah and his book of Lamentations. That would confirm to me that men of great faith have also found themselves in places of broken worship, not to mention Job. This morning I'd like to take a look at the story of Elijah and the widow from 1 Kings 17, 7 to 16. And as I read the passage, listen for all the things that seem to be broken and running out for this poor widow. I'm reading from the message translation. Eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. Then God spoke to Elijah and said, get up and go to Zarephath and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up and he went. And as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, who was gathering firewood. And he asked her, please, would you bring me a little jug of water? I I just need a drink. And as she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? She said, I swear, surely, as your God lives, I don't even have a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You have found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for myself and my son, and after we eat it, we're planning to die. Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said, but first, make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Now, I'm just going to take a little rabbit trail right here because I've got to say, this poor woman has just told this guy her life story, and it's pretty bleak. It's empty. It's broken. She's got nothing to give. She's trying to gather just a little bit of wood to use the little bit of flour and the little bit of oil to make a little bit of a meal for her son and her so they can die. And his response, yeah, before you do that, could you make something for me? (laughs) Sorry, I think if that had been me, anything else he had to say beyond could you bring me a biscuit would have fallen on deaf ears because I would be beside myself at his lack of insensitivity and his perceived selfishness. Good thing for Elijah, the story doesn't end just there. He goes on to instruct her, then go ahead and make a meal for what's left for you and your son. This is the word of God of of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out, and the bottle of oil will not become empty before our God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went right off and did, just as he asked. 
and it turned out, just as he said, there was daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out. The bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly the way Elijah had delivered it. I think it's safe to say that this widow was in a place where everything she had seemed to be broken and running out. The rain had run out, her husband had perished, her fire had died, the wood had burned. What meager amounts of oil and flour she had left were being designated to be offered up as a last supper for her son and herself. She's committed to dying because living seems beyond hope. And in the midst of this lack of almost everything, Elijah offers these instructions. Do not fear. For the Lord your God. He promised he promises that what little you have, as broken and as diminished as it may be, offered up to him on an altar of surrender and entrusted to him is enough. What God does with our broken worship is that he makes his grace abound. He is our jar of endless flour. He is our jug of limitless oil. His grace never runs out, and he meets us in the midst of our broken worship. I think what really amazes me about this story is the woman's silent response, her humble obedience. She simply does as she's instructed. No questions asked, no objections, no second guessing. Simply does as she's instructed in spite of his perceived selfishness and insensitivity, before she does anything for herself and her son, she goes and bakes the guy a biscuit and brings it to him. To me, that simple act speaks so powerfully of what others-centered love can do in the midst of our brokenness. It can equip us in the midst of great personal loss to see the need of another and have the resiliency to respond. And when we love on others in the midst of our own brokenness, it releases within us an act of worship. It takes the focus off ourself and allows us to prefer one another. And whenever we are loving one another, whenever we are serving one another, it is an act of worship to be sure. In that space, God does amazing things in us and through us and for us. Although she had already lost so much, my guess is that she had a mustard seed of faith left. And sometimes even a mustard seed of faith doesn't feel like it's enough. But it is when it's given to God. A tiny sliver is what she had of something left that allowed her to bake some biscuits for her guest, her son, and herself. Now, here is the good news for you and I from this story. The little that we have is more than enough for our God to use and multiply and extend to make limitless and beyond measure. Whatever we have that appears to be running out, expiring, or broken, offered up to our God is more than enough. 
Because it's not about what we have. It's about who we believe. Because it's about his provision, his power, his faithfulness, his grace, his life, his love that is sufficient, sustaining, and satisfying. Jesus is the limitless supply of all that we need. I can imagine her desperate prayers. She was, after all, preparing to die. She saw no other way out. And yet, when she's instructed to act, she does. Broken worship does not so much change God's mind as much as it changes ours. God uses the very act of worship to change our minds and our hearts as we come into alignment for what he has for us, even when we can't see the outcome. Whatever we worship, whatever worship we offer to God first and foremost, be sure he's already birthed within us. We offer him our broken worship, and he offers back to us restoration, healing, wholeness, hope restored, and joy that's set back in balance. Some of you know this story, and some of you don't. But about nine years ago, Eldon broke his back. He was doing something he really loved to do. He was mountain biking in the woods. And forgetting that he was 14 and feeling like he, or forgetting that he was 48 and feeling more like he was 14, he was riding hard and fast and furious and jumping logs and landing, well, not really landing so well. He went flying and his bike went crashing and he lay there immobilized and unable to speak. I know that in that, in that frame of time, Eldon was quite certain that he was going to be left paralyzed. And I remember going to the hospital to meet him there, not knowing what I was going to find. He wasn't paralyzed, but he had indeed broken his back, which is really a bad thing for a self-employed guy, a self-employed painter who has a very active physical job. So for the next eight months, he was not able to work due to his injury, without disability insurance, without employment benefits. You can imagine the resources were depleted very rapidly. That was a hard time. It was a very broken time for us. He became addicted to his pain medications, and he acted like an addict, and it took a long time for him to recover. And in the midst of it, we all felt very broken. By that November, we were in a pretty hard place. But for some reason, I felt very, very led to go boldly before God and just ask him for something enormous. I began to pray with a confidence that was really not my own, and I had this trust that somehow before the year was finished, God was actually going to give us a large sum of money. I don't know where that came from, except I believe that God birthed it in me, and I, I really quite envisioned it falling from heaven, because I couldn't imagine it coming from any other source. But I just was certain that by the end of the year, a large sum of money was going to be supplied so that we weren't going into the next year with this debt. 
Well, one of Eldon's first big outings after he broke his back was at the end of November, and it was to a Benjamin Moore paint show. Big outing, I know. <laughs> However, he was very excited about it because life, life had been pretty um, boring, while, boring for him while he was laid up. Anyway, he went, and um, every year there is a grand prize giveaway at these paint shows. They're pretty big deals. So the grand prize that year was a brand new 2010 cargo van. Well, Eldon was the big winner. He won the van. And he was beside himself with exuberance when he came home and told me that he won this van. He'd been wanting a van, a new van, for a really long time. Well, I may have burst his bubble just a tiny bit when I assured him the van was not for us to keep. It was for us to sell. And so we sold it back to the dealership and got exactly the sum of money that we needed to meet every single penny and not take any of that debt with us into the next year. So by the end of the year, all of the debt that was accumulating from his accident was taken care of, because that's our God. In the midst of our brokenness, he does above and beyond all that we can hope or imagine. I don't know what feels like it's running out or broken for you, or what feels like it's accumulating to the point where you find yourself buried in it. But this I do know, first and foremost, God is in it with you. He's not left you to your lack, nor does he want you to be crushed by a load that you cannot bear. He is your burden bearer. He is the only one who can carry your need, who can bring beauty from ashes and make all of his grace abound towards you. Anne Voskamp, the author of 10 or 1,000 Gifts, writes, in Christ, no matter the road, the storm, the story, we always, always know the outcome. Our Savior surrounds. Our future secure. Our joy is certain. So as Eldon and I continue to look to God to supply our needs once again, he has reminded me to not be consumed by deficits to not be undone by the things we cannot see or the things that we can see, but to wait with great expectation on him, just him, not on what he can do, not on what he's going to provide, but simply and solely on Jesus, because he's the provision. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Just because our circumstances seem broken and we feel broken does not mean that our faith is ineffective or that our worship is vacant. Our faith is his faith that's made alive in us. So if it's actually his faith at work in us, we can trust him to activate it, to release it, to sustain it, even when we feel like we're being swallowed up by the things we can or cannot see. His faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is the assurance of what we hope for. And what we hope for is Jesus. He alone is more than enough. Jesus is the provision. 
In Jesus, all God's promises are yes to us. That does not mean we always get what we want. And it doesn't mean that all of our prayers are going to be answered the way we hope or intend. I know this to be true for me. I'm not sure if if any of you here will relate, but more often than not, I find that my prayers are for the outcome I desire. My hope is is in the outcome and not in the one who has come. I'm going to say that again. My hope often is in the outcome and not in the one who has come. To be our peace, our hope, our life, our faith, our joy, our dwelling place. For in him we live and move and have our being. It's in our broken worship that we're transformed by the living God who inhabits our praise and inhabits our broken alleluias. Psalm 51, 16 to 17 says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it to you. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 66, 1 to 2 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. When... Where then is a house that you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hands have made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. This is the house that God's presence fills our broken worship. And I'm just completely wowed by that that question, where is the place that I may rest? It had never occurred to me, I don't know, maybe just thick, it just never occurred to me the idea of God resting. He gives us rest, but I'd never kind of thought about the idea of God resting and to learn from his word that the place God chooses to take his rest is within our broken worship, I think, should offer us just so much hope, so much comfort, so much peace, and so much security. Psalm 147, verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. And Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place. And I also dwell with the contrite and lowly in spirit in order to revive them. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so I invite you to offer up one more broken hallelujah and find God resting within that place of broken worship for you. I'm going to try to keep my emotions in check as I finish up, but I want to wrap up by sharing some things that I learned as we said farewell to our friend who has gone on to glory. It would appear that his time his health and his healing all ran out. 
His death was not the outcome that anyone wanted or that anyone prayed for. We stood with his family and him for healing, for miraculous, to God be the glory healing. We looked to him for wholeness and for abundant health. And to us, it feels like God said no. For the days leading up to our friend's passing, I just couldn't shake the thought of him. He just invaded every prayer that I had, and he was in every thought. He was just kind of consuming my headspace and my heart space. Eldon and I were away on holidays at the time, and um, I finally decided I was going to send a friend a quick text just to get an update on how he was doing. He was rapidly declining was the message that came back to me. We were out in our kayaks at the time in the middle of a place called Ox Tongue River, at the bottom of a place called Ragged Falls. And I was just kind of hit by that yesterday that um, we were at the place of the Broken Falls when we found that news out. Eldon wanted to just carry on and fish at the rocks at the bottom of the falls. And so I decided to carry on and paddle a little further down the river. And as I paddled, the tears just <laughs> flowed along with broken prayers. You see, up until that time, my prayer for our friend was that God would just heal him. We wanted a miracle. I realized I had been avoiding going to that hard place in my prayers. I was avoiding going to that place of surrender and to, and to simply yielding to what God was doing within me. We want to avoid brokenness. We want to dodge pain. I think that's true for every single one of us. We don't see it for the gift that it is. And I guess I do want you to leave here this morning thinking of brokenness as a gift because it's in that place that we experience profound intimacy and union with our God. I realized it was just so much easier to pray the good things, the easy things. In that place of brokenness, God did something with my prayer. My prayer became that this gen gentle, gracious, generous man just wouldn't suffer anymore. That God would just not prolong that experience for his wife and his children to watch him in agony and to see him in pain and to suffer. Trust me, that was not an easy prayer. It was agonizing and it was gut-wrenching. But as I allowed that prayer to leave my lips, even knowing that every single person that knew Duane, myself included, would have preferred to keep him here with us, enjoying his spirit, his sense of humor, and his genuine heart for others, something happened in me. God met me there in the middle of the river. He met me in my broken worship, in my place of emptiness and profound loss. And he poured out so much comfort and grace and mercy on me and goodness that right there in the middle of the river, in the midst of my tears, I actually found myself awash in praise. And I found that there were just songs that were leaving my lips. 
praising God for who he is and thanking him. And I was changed. I found that Jesus became the only thing that I desired. Our God does inhabit our praise. He inhabits our broken worship, and he inhabits our broken alleluias. They rise like incense before his throne, and he meets us there in the midst with grace that sustains, with peace that surpasses understanding, and with love that heals and makes whole. So if I may encourage you in any way this morning, know that God has found you in your broken worship. He's taken your broken praise and your faltering prayers, along with your tears, that are so precious to him, he keeps them stored in a bottle. They're not lost. And he says, this is my home. This is where I dwell. It's in our broken worship that he assures us that we will find him. How he longs to meet with us there so we can just be held and made whole again. Ann Voskamp writes, Lord, may we all leak a bit more love. Reach out a bit further. Believe the best. Leave just one person an encouraging word or two. Pray for someone carrying around some unspoken broken. Let love cover over some hurting places that we can't even find words for. Maybe today, Lord, we see where our own hearts are broken just a bit. And let your love get right in there. Your light get right in along with our brokenness. And then let your love leak out into the world right there. Because we're just crazy enough fools, Lord, to believe that this would change the world and a whole lot of hurting places. The secret way to heal a broken heart is to let love leak out like an ocean through all the cracks. I don't know about you, but I know I've got a lot of cracks. May our broken worship, our one more broken alleluia, become a conduit for healing, for reaching out to those around us who are broken and who need to know they're not alone, who need to be held in the light of amazing love and grace. This is who we long to be as a community of worshipers and followers here at Hope Fellowship. That's our vision, to see people be healed and whole and free to be who they are in Jesus Christ. We can't do that if we're not willing to enter into our brokenness or if we're unwilling to enter into the brokenness of one another. And so I ask that our broken worship would be a sweet, sweet sound in the ear of Jesus this morning. We're going to close by playing a song by Casting Crowns called Just Be Held. And I, I want to offer... I realize I'm, I'm offering this to a group of introverts. I do know that. But um, I really feel that um, we need an opportunity to just be held. And so as this song plays, if you're in that place of brokenness or woundedness, and you just need to be held, and you need to fill Jesus with some skin on this morning, 
as the song plays, come on forward if it's for prayer or just a hug. Go ahead. Everybody needs you strong But life hits you out of nowhere And barely leaves you holding on And when you're tired of fighting Chained by your control There's freedom and surrender Lay it down and let it go So when you're on your knees An answer seems so far away don't just hold us in our brokenness, but that you inhabit it. You've chosen to 
make that the most intimate place for us to experience union with you, to know the power of your presence within. Father, I thank you that um, you don't abandon us in our brokenness, but that it's actually your gift to us. And so, Father, I pray that um, you would just be the one that we seek and keep our eyes on. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and just close with one song. Thank you.